And she uses the phrase, show up and be seen. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there and to put your skills on display and to fight for yourself. You won't always be in a position where you have someone to fight for you. You won't always have that supervisor that likes you or that director or whoever it might be. And maybe there's something you really want to accomplish or something you think would really benefit the company. Find someone who will listen and explain it to that person and find that empathetic ear and be confident in your abilities. Hey, everyone. I'm here with my good friend, Hannah, who is a project manager for a telecommunications company. Hannah is one of the hardest working people that I know, and I think that comes with a lot of expertise. I'm really excited to learn from her today, and it's been a little while since we've talked, so I'm excited for that as well. Hannah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> it's going to be good. So you're a project manager. What does that mean in a nutshell? And then we'll dive into the specifics later on. Absolutely. So being a project manager, in, in a nutshell, you are the person who is primarily responsible for the success or the lack of success on your projects. And, and how many projects that is, it depends on the industry you're in. It depends on the, the scope of the project. It, it could vary. But you are the one ultimately responsible. Uh, you are the one primarily communicating, not only with your team, but also any vendors, any customers you're dealing with, anyone else that may be involved in, in the project process. You are that primary person. You are also the primary point of contact. If there are questions, if there's needs, if someone needs extra equipment or they, you know, they have an additional request of something they want done, you, you're the person they would reach out to. And you're also the person who deals with any risks you run into, um, any issues that are on the project. You're, you're that primary point of contact. So that's kind of a project manager in a nutshell, but again, ultimately you are, you're the one responsible for the, for the project as a whole. How long have you been doing that, Hannah? I've been in my role as a project manager. Uh, I just celebrated three years in October. Congratulations. So hit my three-year anniversary. Thank you. Yeah. Was that the first job that you got with the company? Was it right out of college? Kind of walk me through a little bit of like work history get leading up to project management. Sure. Uh, it's a little varied. Right out of college, I, uh, I got my Bachelor of Arts in English and I really wanted to be an editor, but a lot of opportunities were not opening up. So I went into hospitality. I worked at a, a hospital, a hospital a hotel in, uh, in Dallas, worked there for a while. Due to some family health concerns, I had to change course for a while to, to help out there. During that time, I was involved a little bit with theater as a stage manager, as well as assisting a local college with some accompaniment needs. Basically, I played piano for the local students there. And once we we kind of got through that, that rough patch as a family, I turned my attention back to my career and I ended up getting a job at my current location as an account manager. Okay. Which which basically is you you're the person responsible for maintaining the relationship with the accounts that are assigned to you, whoever the customer might be. And I was in that role about about a year and a half when I was offered the promotion to, to project manager. Gotcha. So as a project manager, how does it differ from like a regular manager? Are you actually directly in charge and you have subordinates or is it really just on a project by project basis? Good question. So it depends on the organization. My organization is what they call a matrix. 
So you have individual departments, you've got your sales department, your IT department, operations, uh, service, et cetera, but each department works together on common goals that they have. They're not in silos working separately. So on a project, I may be in charge of two programmers, a trainer and five technicians. And the next project, it may be a different team. So I'm constantly changing what team I'm working with. Got it. For that specific project, yes, they are working for me, but we're more like partners in the work and less subordinates. You know, they're always accountable to me. Yeah. What skills do you feel like you had coming into the role? And then what skills do you feel like you had to develop while you were, I guess, on the job? Yeah. Uh, some of the skills that, that kind of piqued the interest of those that asked me to be a project manager was the really good relationships that I had formed with my customers. Yeah, I had built rapport and trust with them. And for our customers and the, the money that they're spending for the projects that we do, it was very important that they have someone that had that background. I also had a high level of communication. And some of that is from having an English background. You know, I'm very comfortable writing, you know, emails and such. So the high level of communication was also a skill that was uh, attractive for someone that would fit the project manager role. So those were the, the primary skills I went into the job with. Since then, a lot of the skills I've learned are technical related to the job. And that was through internal training courses we offered and just talking to my team and asking questions I asked a lot of questions up front because I really wanted to understand the systems we work with and, you know, how it all works from start to finish. So I learned a lot from them. And I also learned management skills in relation to, uh, so back to your question about what, you know, the difference between a manager and a project manager is uh, a manager always has, you know, a set group of people that they are accountable for that they have to manage a project manager is managing specific projects. And like I said earlier, the people on those projects vary. So it's always a different set of people you're managing. But managing people versus managing relationships with external customers or vendors is very different. You have to build that trust. You have to get buy-in from them. So I had to learn how to manage people and do the the painful part of the job, which might be, you know, might be write-ups, might be conversations you have with the technician who maybe isn't doing their job to the good parts and getting to work with that team and accomplish something really great, you know, on each project. Yeah. So you're in the telecommunications industry. I know that probably you haven't been a project manager at all these other different industries. So maybe you don't have a way to compare it, but do you feel like just from your understanding of the position that it's fairly comparable to what you might find in another corporate setting? Or do you feel like what you do is very specific to your niche? My role as a project manager is pretty comparable across the board. Um, A lot of the basic tasks and basic responsibilities are the same. When it comes to the industry, it's a different level of involvement with your customers. So I specifically work in healthcare. And we install nurse call systems in hospitals, which is basically how nurses and patients communicate and also how does the nursing staff communicate. And it's a very um, emergent atmosphere. It's very important that that is functioning correctly, that it's installed correctly because it's it's patients' lives at stake. Yeah. And so it, it does add a different level of stress. And a different level of, of urgency, you know, to, to do things correctly. 
So there are some industry specific tasks and responsibilities that you might not find in say the IT realm, but a lot of them are, are pretty much the same. Gotcha. So what does a typical day look like for you? And this is kind of, I feel like the meat of the show. I really want our listener to walk away with a picture of like, if I was a project manager, you know, a day or a week might feel like this or look like this. These are the tasks I'd be doing. So kind of just give us the whole, a schedule or a typical day. Sure. I can, I can do a schedule style. (laughs) I know most of my guests have trouble with that question. That's totally fine. Everybody goes in a different direction, but I know you know how to make a schedule. So that's good. I live in schedules. So that is my life. Yes. (laughs) Um, So let's, let's pretend it's a Monday. So it's the start of the work week. The first thing I do when I get in the office is I make sure that my technicians have everything they need for the week for the work that's been assigned that would be material, that'd be tools, resources, you know, if they need more technicians to help them, making sure that we've gotten that assigned previously. So making sure everything's good to go for them. I also have superintendents I work with. They're more, they're like a project manager, but more field-based. They're the ones out there physically checking the work, making sure okay. everything is, is quality. And I also check in with them, make sure that they have everything that they need. And if there's anything that they need, I go ahead and take care of that first. You know, I make sure that I set them up for success for the day or the week. After that, the, the day is filled with a lot of emailing, <laughs> a lot of follow-up, a lot of customers reach out on Mondays because some of them are out on Fridays or they're not able to respond at the end of the week. And so they're catching up at the beginning of the week. So there's, there's a lot of that and a lot of action items that come out of it. A lot of things I have to, to take care of because of that. And I have to take each of those emails and each of those requests and prioritize them and figure out, is this something that I need to do in the next three hours? Is it something to be done by the end of today? Or can it wait until Friday? You know, how much time do I have? And that helps me plan out my day. Kind of the next level, if you will, is meetings. I have a lot of standing meetings, which means they they repeat either weekly, monthly, might be bi-weekly. And so there may be things I have to prepare for those calls. I will also do that at the beginning of the day. Um, I may be the one in charge of the agenda. I have to create that. You know, it it, it varies. Um, There's some calls that you listen and you answer to say, yes, I agree. And then you go back on mute. You know, those are those are the best. But yes, I spend the the beginning of the day preparing for those. During the week, uh, a big part of what I do in as well as managing communication with the customers and talking about timelines and, and different things is when my techs run into issues in the field, I have to be ready to help them. And so I, what they, you know, using the phrase, putting out fires, I'm doing a lot of that during the week. I'm putting out a lot of fires. If they have bad parts, I have to get the new parts. There's a lot of coordination that happens and each day is different. There may be a day that nothing's going on. And I'm able to focus on administrative tasks and planning ahead for the next week. And there may be days where I'm not able to leave my chair. You know, it it varies because of the industry we're in. It's very, it fluctuates. So, (laughs) um, so that's typically what it is. And then it ends up the, the great part is Fridays because a lot of our customers are off on Fridays. They work, you know, four days of the week. It's very slow. And it gives me an opportunity to catch up on things I couldn't make time for during the week while also planning ahead to the next week of what I need to get ready for my team and and prepare for. What's the most challenging part of your job, Hannah? And then on the flip side of that, what is the best part of your job? The most challenging part 
I would say is managing expectations because you are not only responsible for your customers' expectations, but your team also expects certain things out of you. The vendors you're purchasing equipment from also expect things out of you. And and there is a lot to juggle and you have to take all of those opinions and expectations and, and balance them and prioritize and figure out whose is the most important. Is it logical? You know, is it an emotional request? You know, is it a customer that's just frustrated because something's not working right? Or is it a genuine need? Does it need to be addressed? And does that need to be the primary thing that we focus on in that project? So I think the most challenging part is balancing all of those things because you're trying to make everyone happy while also making the project successful. And it's, it's very difficult. You will run into customers that are impossible to work with. And one of my primary customers is like that. They're very, um, in a nice way, they're very high maintenance. They have a lot of needs because they have such a complexity to their, the way that they do business. And so I'm always having to balance that with my team's needs as well. The best part of the job is probably winning a relationship. When you get to that point with one of your customers or contacts that you have a really good relationship with them and a good rapport with them, it's amazing. I mean, it's so rewarding, especially if it's someone that was very difficult to work with in the beginning. It's such a great feeling and you feel like you've gained a team member and someone that you can rely on if you have issues or needs, you know, you know, you can go to them. I think that's the best part is having those relationships built. That's awesome. How much communication are you doing internally with your team versus externally? Because you've mentioned that there's a lot of back and forth. Yeah. So um, pretty much 90% of a project manager's job is communication. And any project management professor will tell you that, you know, that that's part of your uh, uh, project management institution 101. There you go. Communications degree people. You have a career. Exactly. It's not worth You already got to step up. (laughs) You can do it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, For me, again, this is, you know, this is from my experience. It's probably about 50-50, maybe 60% internal, 40% external, simply because there is a lot of background communication that's happening to prepare your external communication. You're talking to your team going, hey, can we get this programmed on time? Can we meet these training dates they're asking for? Will we finish our project on time and get everything installed and and it's tested and, and it's good to go? And you have to get all that information before you can reach out to your customer and give them that, that you know, give them all those details. So it, it's probably about 60, 40. What do you wish you knew about the job itself or the industry in general when you were first starting out? Golly. Um Probably for the job, (laughs) you won't always work eight hour days. There will be days where you have emergencies and you have to deal with them. I think that's something that not everyone, including myself was, you know, I was not mentally prepared for that. And it's hard, you know, sometimes it's hard to balance, but when it's a true emergency, you want to be there for your team. You know, you want to support them in whatever way you can. So that was probably the one thing I wasn't expecting, but I have found through the three years that I've been doing this, I've found a way to, to find mostly a balance. <laughs> so you mentioned a little bit of stress. Let's just go straight to that. Cause I like to ask this question just for our audience. Cause some people really do not want a stressful job. How stressful <laughs> would you consider your job if at all? And then how do you deal with that stress? 
If you don't like stress, this job is not for you. I'm just going to put that out there. There Just because of everything you're having to manage and all of the details and all of the people you're dealing with, it can be very high stress. Very rarely do you have low stress days. And those are typically the days where you're asking yourself, did I forget to do something? So, so it's really great for if you have a lot of energy or you're, you know, you love putting your all into your job and you're okay with that stress and everything. I mean, it's, it's great. For me, I talked about this earlier, prioritization, prioritizing what's the most important to deal with now and what can wait. If you let everything, if you let that mountain of things to do on Monday overwhelm you, you won't get anything done. And if you do, it won't be to the best of your ability. That's definitely a way that I've found to to deal with that stress, making sure I'm taking notes and, and a lot of documentation. It helps because my brain is so limited that if I start putting in too much, something's going to fall out. So if I don't write it down, there's a chance I won't remember. So I, I really use notes a lot. I have a notepad because I'm a very tactile person. I love taking notes with pen and paper, and I will also take notes on the computer so that I can upload it to the cloud. And if I ever lose that pad, I have it somewhere, you know, and I can, and I can pull it for reference. So staying organized and learning the difference between what's important and what's urgent sounds like a way to be able to just handle the workload of, of the job itself. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Who would be a good fit for this career, Hannah? And then on the flip side, who might think that they would be a good fit and then get into a role similar to yours and find out, um, actually, no, this is not for me. (laughs) Well, a great fit First would be anyone who's, who's been in the field, who has experience in the industry because they already have some of the hard skills and, and some of the soft skills that are going to be required for the position. So if we had, let's say a technician with a high level of communication, who is really good at documenting things about the project as they're installing it, they might be a really good candidate with a little extra training. People who are kind of, you referenced it earlier, you know, communication majors, um, English majors, even those involved in debate courses, you know, where or theater majors or theater majors. (laughs) Yes. Theater. Funny enough, you, you will not realize if you ever did theater, how much that plays into your role, because you're always dealing with different personalities and different situations. And you have to morph how you're communicating to match that situation. And it's, you know, it's improv. So it it can be very tricky. (laughs) So I definitely think that those are the type of people who would be a good fit. If you don't like talking on the phone and you don't like writing emails and and talking to people, not the right job. Um, There are so many other options out there for internal jobs that are perfect for people like that. We, We have a great support team of people who work on the inside and they never deal with our customers, but without them, we would not function. So, you know, there's a lot of roles out there like that who might think they're a great fit. A lot of times we run into superintendents or technicians or, or even engineers who say, well, I really want a promotion. And I think project management would be a really great promotion. And they get into the position and they don't realize the level of responsibility that's involved and accountability and how you have to manage people a lot and communicate and write those emails and you know make those phone calls. It's a lot and you have to be highly organized and structured to, to be able to handle it. A lot of those people were really good at taking direction 
from someone, but they weren't good at keeping themselves on task. There's no one to give you direction. You are the direction. You, you are the one that has to lead your team. So you have to have those leadership skills and you, you have to be able to, to do that. I have seen that. That is so true. I, I know several people in my life that have been, you know, great at their current position working on projects. And then when they're the ones put in charge of them, one aspect, one skill set isn't there for them, or they just don't get to do the part of the job that they love anymore. And 90% of their job is talking to people and coordinating and dealing with infighting and politics and, and all the stuff. And it's just for some people, that's the fun of the job. And for some people, that's the part that they hate. So I think it's pretty clear where project management falls in that spectrum mm -hmm. of dealing with people versus dealing with, you know, specifically projects and the technical side of things. Right. And that's always why I recommend if you're internal and you're looking at a project management role, talk to your supervisor about shadowing them and see what they do in a day or, or even in a week and see if that's what you're really interested in. Um, yes. You know, it gives you that opportunity. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've given that advice several times as I've been doing these interviews with people any opportunity that you get to shadow someone, to volunteer, to get hands-on experience where you're rubbing shoulders with somebody. And it helps if you're already in a position, you might be at the lowest tier in whatever company you're in, but people like to help. That's the whole premise of this podcast actually, is people are actually willing to help and share what they know. And so it doesn't hurt to ask, Hey, can I, can I follow you around for a couple hours on next Wednesday? You know, I've got some time and I just want to see what this job is all about. And that will open up so many doors and will also close the wrong doors, which is really, really important. I think for just moving up in a career in general. Yeah, absolutely. I had a similar experience where I was in college and for the first year I wanted to be a teacher and my previous high school teacher gave me the opportunity to go back and teach her class about poetry for two weeks. I discovered I hate teaching <laughs> <laughs> and I immediately changed my career path, but without that opportunity, I wouldn't have known. Yep. It opened my, my eyes and my mind to what it actually is like. Yeah. Hannah, what part of the workday is your favorite? What do you look forward to the most? I know I kind of already asked what's the best part of the job, but this is a little bit maybe different than that. Hmm. Or maybe you have the same answer. <laughs> well, I won't say it's when I leave work. Yeah. <laughs> you no. can say that off the, off the recording. <laughs> right. All right. I'll correct you when I leave work. No, no, no. It's, um, it's probably in those moments between meetings, between calls, there's no emails coming in and I can breathe and I can think about my projects at a very high level and I can look at the big picture and I have a board where I've written all of my project names and I will sit and look at that board and I will think through each project and where is it and what do I need to do? What are risks and what are things that are going well? And I'll just think about them on a larger scale and I love having those times. They're rare because there's so much happening, but it, it helps me to pull back and reassess how I'm managing the project and making sure that it's as successful as it can possibly be. Yeah. So without getting too personal and like sharing your specific income, it is helpful to know for people's research purposes, what is entry level? What's that range look like? And mid-career, late career, if you were to stay in project management. Yeah. So... I will put two caveats in. It definitely depends on what state you're in. Mm -hmm. 
um, because obviously the salary that you make has to match the cost of living and, and everything else that you have. The other caveat is it also depends on the industry. Each industry pays differently. Um, and, and some of that comes down to the complexity of the projects you're managing. And some of it's just, you know, are you, are you managing getting paper out to copy places or are you managing a massive IT infrastructure in, you know, a large corporation? Exactly. But for where I work, um, when I started out, the typical, when I did my market research was between about 40 to 55,000, um, up to 60,000 for, for entry level. Uh, a lot of it depended on what education you had previously and what skills you were coming to the table with. Mid-level, I would say ranges from probably about 55 or 60,000 up to 80, 85,000. And then senior level can be 85 and above. Typically, you will not see a, a senior PM above 100,000. But again, it depends on the industry. If you move up into a position like a program manager, which has a much larger realm of things that they're responsible for, you'll definitely exceed that range. And you can go up to probably as high as you know, 150,000. When you say you're a project manager, do people have misconceptions about what you do? Do you get, do you ever have to like correct people like, uh, it's not really that it's, it's this. Yeah. I think, um, the first reaction I get is when I, a female am on a job site or meeting customers and I introduce myself as the project manager hmm. and they look at me like, Oh, you don't look like one. <laughs> you know? What are they I supposed think, to look like? <laughs> right. Exactly. What are they supposed to? Exactly. Um, should I look like I have paint on me and I've been walking in mud for, you know, eight hours? No. Um, I think that's the, the funniest part of it. When I tell people I'm in project management, they pretty much just ask, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, yeah. So they have no conception right. of what you do. They're just like, okay, manages projects that could mean anything. So exactly. It's not like saying I'm an accountant. You're like, all right, immediately. I know what you do. You work with numbers and calculators and you, you ask people for money. Um, yeah. You know, you say you're a sales rep. Everybody knows what that means. You know, there's, there are certain positions that it's second nature to understand it. But when you say a project manager or a product manager, or even a program manager, people go, okay, what, what is that? What does that mean? Yeah. How often are you going out to job sites or projects for your customers? I know obviously it'll depend on what industry, but just for you personally, how often are you in the office? Do you ever get to work from home? How often are you out in the world meeting with clients, customers? Yeah. So uh, working location, uh, pre-COVID, it was full-time in the office. And then obviously when COVID first started, um, we, we all went remote. When we returned to the office, each department, um, each employee worked out with their manager, a telecommuting policy. And for us in, in project management, that ended up being three days in the office and two days at home, which was very helpful for me because if I had large projects or project plans I had to work on or some major deliverable for a customer, it was really nice being at home because I could focus on it. I didn't have people walking up to my desk or asking questions and it it gave me a lot more focus time. On the job sites, it, it varies depending on how many projects are actively being worked on from week to week. I might visit three different job sites or I may not visit a job site for three weeks. This week, an example, I was at two job sites, one on Monday and one on Tuesday. So it, it varies. It depends on when you need to be there. Right now, the, the 
agreement is project managers will be on site for go lives. So that means when we start installing in a new building, when we start installing in a new hospital, or when a new building goes live and, and people are actually in it, we're there. We're just being present. We're answering questions. If there's issues, we're taking note of it so we can go back and work with the team to resolve them. But it's it's to be there and to be present. And just the comfort of having someone who's involved in that process being there, you know, helps the customer and gives them a better feeling of trust, you know, with us as their partner. Gotcha. This is a little bit out of left field, but if you weren't doing project management, I know you mentioned you've been interested in editing in the past, teaching, mm-hmm. but you found out that wasn't for you. Today, now with knowing what you know, if you couldn't be a project manager, what would you want to be doing instead? Few answers to that. <laughs> One of them is quality management, which is a whole other podcast. Um, but quality management is, is basically the people that are working internally in a company to make sure that they are following industry quality procedures, um, making sure that they're up to date with licensing certifications. They're constantly looking at internal processes and seeing what could be better, what can be improved um, and working with and partnering with each department to improve those things. So I've considered something like that. I loved theater. I loved being a stage manager. It was, it was so fun, but it is a very difficult business to be. Um, it's not very lucrative. You know, it, you, you don't always get paid that well, depending on where you work, you, you really have to be good, you know, to get paid well. And so it's, um, it can be difficult financially. I also loved music and I loved accompanying vocal students. Again, it's very difficult, you know, to make a career out of that and, and yeah. financially, um, support yourself on that. You really have to be invested and, and constantly involved in it. Yeah. I like asking that question though, because it kind of gives our listener a little bit of a sense of like, you know, okay, she seems like she's good at her job. Like what, what does she like as a person? And do I see any of myself in her, you know, there can be a little bit of that (laughs) to where, you know, everybody's experience is different. So I just, it gives a little bit of color to the interview. It's kind of fun. So yeah. Do you have any funny or interesting on the job stories or if you want to go there, any like awful horror stories? <laughs> hmm. Well, I'll start with the horror story. Okay. Really those are always, stories, those but... are always what the audience wants. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now more of a, a horror experience. Um, so again, pre COVID, uh, I was managing a project in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, let's start there. Out of town projects are very difficult to manage because you can't just pop over and check on it or just drop material off when you drive by, you know, you have to drive four and a half hours to get there. So we, we had this project and we were working with a government contract, which is very difficult and tricky and complex. There's a lot of hoops to jump through to get approval for things. If you need to make changes to the contract or, or anything like that. We were also working with two different contractors and we were basically the lowest tier So everything had to go through those two contractors to be approved or to do anything. And it was, it was nightmarish. Um, Everything took forever. Everything was slower than the customer wanted. Unfortunately, the customer was very frequently unhappy because of the, the rigmarole that was involved. And it was, it was very difficult to make them happy. There were also personnel issues happening at the same time, you know, some people don't like to work with other people and you have to deal with that. And so, um, there was a lot going on, on that project. It was, uh, I definitely had dreams about it for a few weeks after, (laughs) after we finished, 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's probably the worst story. And no, thankfully, nothing truly horrific. You know, no workplace injuries or anything like that. Good. Um, funny or interesting. I do. It was funny to me at the time. <laughs> but... <laughs> It's always a good way to start a story. I love it. Right. But um, this also same project in in Shreveport. And um, when we install in a hospital and it's still live, we have to use what's called a containment cart or we call it a dust buggy, which is basically a, a rectangular plastic box on wheels with a ladder inside. And at the top of it is a section that's also plastic that is uh, flexible. And you can raise and lower it to access the ceiling. And we have to use that because we can't have a lot of dust and debris coming down from the ceiling where the patients are. So we have to be very aware of that. And so we needed to get one of those containment cards out to the site. And my superintendent, I, I believe he was busy with another project at the time. And so I had to drive it. Well, we had this very large sprinter van. That's the only type of van that we can fit it in. So it's this very tall boxy vehicle. It was pouring rain. It was like thunderstorm level rain, you know, flash flooding. And I'm driving in this vehicle in the pouring rain. The tires on the vehicle had been well-loved. So it was a little slick. The wind was blowing. So with the load in the back, it kept swaying the vehicle from left to right. And the windshield wipers pretty much weren't doing anything. So I'm driving for about four and a half hours to five hours with traffic in this vehicle and the entire way, white knuckled, like, please don't let me crash. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was, it was horrible. And, and thankfully driving back, it wasn't as windy and the rain had stopped, but it was still, it was still a tough drive. <laughs> yeah. Took a, a dangerous turn with that one. It did. It did. <laughs> I got to the site and the guys were like, are you okay? You don't look so good. And I'm like, I'm great. Like shaking. Yeah. I'm yeah. alive. I'm here. It's all good. Exactly. Exactly. I love yeah. it. Awesome. <laughs> Hannah, this has been so much fun. I just have one more question for you. What's the best practical advice you would give someone who wants to do what you do or something similar? Any resources or next steps to pursue a job like yours? And I, I we I actually have one more follow-up about certifications. Um, if there's any certifications that would be good in your field. Okay. Um, I'll start with the first question. There are three things that, that come to mind. The first I mentioned earlier, which is shadowing. Shadowing or internships, I highly recommend looking into those. Even if you're a freshman in college and you think, oh, I've still got a few years to figure this out, go ahead and start. Start really figuring it out because that's the best time to find out, am I pursuing the best career? Am I pursuing the right um, degree? Or do I want to do something different? That's the first thing I would recommend so that you can see what that experience is like. The second is it's not specific to project management, but in general, reading literature that encourages you on how to be the best leader. You may have manager in your role, but you are a leader for your team. The best managers are leaders, which means you lead by example. It's so true. You are the person that your team is looking up to. And if you are requiring quality and you're producing quality, they're going to want to return that. If you show them disrespect or lack of trust, they're going to return that as well. One of the books that really, really helped me in my career was Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. A fantastic read. If you don't like reading, it's a great audiobook as well. But in it, she talks about what does it mean to dare greatly? 
And she uses the phrase, show up and be seen. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there and to put your skills on display and to fight for yourself. You won't always be in a position where you have someone to fight for you. You won't always have that supervisor that likes you or that director or whoever it might be. And maybe there's something you really want to accomplish or something you think would really benefit the company. Find someone who will listen and explain it to that person and find that empathetic ear and be confident in your abilities. Figure out what your strengths are and be confident in those and lean on those. Yes, you're going to have weaknesses and you'll need to work on those, but you also have strength and those strengths will benefit you more than you may realize. I didn't think that doing theater was going to benefit me as a project manager, but I'm not afraid to talk to someone I've never met before. I'm not afraid to host a meeting with 20 C-suite executives from a hospital and give a presentation because I have those skills. Yeah. And that was a strength that I, I didn't think I had or know I had, you know, and, and how it would be useful. So yeah, figuring out your strengths and, and reading that literature or any, anything that encourages you on how to be a really good leader. That's the second recommendation. The third would be, I mean, it's, it's relatively basic, but look up project management online. The, the main organization associated with project management is called the Project Management Institute or PMI. And their website has a lot of great resources and a lot of great information. If you become a member, which, which I am, there's also a lot of conferences you can go to and there's webinars you can listen to. And I've listened to several webinars lately and they were enlightening and I learned more than I knew. And you're constantly learning. You know, my grandfather used to say, you always learn something new every day. You may not know what it is, but you did. And so it's, it's one of those few ways that you can continue to learn and again, see if this is the career you want. So that's probably the, the third thing I would recommend too, is just looking at those resources online or talking to project managers, you know, and getting more insight. Certification, you, you asked about, there is a certificate. There's actually two. One is called the CAPM, which is typically what an assistant project manager or maybe a superintendent would get. It's a slightly lower level. There's less required in terms of study and courses that you have to take to, to take the exam. It's definitely not as intense of an exam. It's, it's shorter time, less questions, things like that. But that's kind of what I would consider your learner's permit. Yeah. It's what gets you started, gets your feet wet. If you really want to see if this is what you want to go into. And the, the PMP, the project management professional certification is top grade, if you will. Yes. Um, it, it's the most common you'll see, you know, project managers getting and it requires a certain amount of classes. And again, when you go online, you can find, you know, for example, I took my courses at UTA, um, University of Texas in Arlington and had a fantastic professor. She had 30 plus years of project management and brought all of that knowledge to the table in addition to all of her resources. And it was, it was great. And we still talk when I still have questions and I need help. She's still there. And um, so I was lucky, you know, I found that, that resource, but the PMP requires more coursework. Doesn't it require some experience as well? The PMP don't you yeah. have to have a certain number of hours in a role as a project manager in yes. order to get that certification? Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes. There are a certain amount of uh, practicum hours and the good part about that is it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be in the project manager role to get those okay. hours. You might be a team member 
that was working on a project. And maybe there was an aspect of the project that you managed, even if it was your own work, that still counts. Um, Yes. So one of the resources my professor gave me was basically an Excel spreadsheet that breaks out and you can put all your information in because when you apply for the exam, it asks you to list uh, where did you work? What was your role? What were some of your duties? How long were you there? And you have to meet a certain level. And, and thankfully, all of that's documented on the PMI.org website. So it's, it's really easy to go and find that information and know exactly, okay, here's what I need. Yeah, it's great. Does the CAPM require practicum uh, yes. hours as well? Okay. But less. But less of it. It requires less hours. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like I said, it's it's definitely a, a less intense version of the of the PMP certification. The PMP exam itself is quite lengthy and difficult because you can't rely on your real life experience, or you might pick the wrong answer because all four answers in multiple choice may be right, but which one's the most right? The most right. I've taken those kinds of exams before. Yes. Yes. And so when, when I took it, the question I kept having to ask myself was in a perfect world, what's the answer? Yeah. Not my experience as a project manager, but in a perfect world, what would be the correct choice to make? Yeah. So it rewards the textbook answer. You have to actually yes. put in the studying hours and yes. experience, unfortunately, is not enough. Yes, you do. Yeah. And um, the PMBOK, the Project Management Book of Knowledge, is going to be the primary resource they recommend. There's also an additional resource, and I'd have to spell it out for you, but Rita Mulcahy is her name. She also came up with a PMP study guide. And for me, that was the best resource because it has quizzes, it has exercises, it breaks things out. It gives you visual aids and it was a lot more interactive. Say her name again, real quick. Rita Mulcahy. It's M-U-L-C-A-H-Y. Perfect. Yeah. That is so helpful. Yeah. It was a great study guide for me. Um, Really, really, really helped. (laughs) Good to know. Hannah, this has been awesome. I feel like we covered so much. I love asking a project manager questions because you're able to hold them in your head, even though I don't ask them perfectly. You're able to summarize them and then instantly hit each one. I made my job so easy today. (laughs) Thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to releasing this episode. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to the What's That Job Like podcast. Two quick things. One, please subscribe and review the show. It takes less than a minute and it does a ton to help. Two, I would love your feedback. Is there a certain career you want to hear from, a question you'd like me to ask my guests, or anything else? Let me know. My email is jameson at whatsthatjoblike.com. Again, that's J-A-M-E-S-O-N at whatsthatjoblike.com. That is also where you can email me if you are interested in being a guest on my show. I am rapidly trying to get hundreds of interviews because I think that's how this whole project will come together and help as many people as possible. So again, please subscribe and I'll catch you next time. 